Amen. So how many of you like to travel? Right? Online? Like to travel? So, man, it's one thing I've missed during this pandemic is we can't travel like we used to or go to places. And if you find yourself going, it's right around the house or not too far away or it's just immediate family together. I hope that it'll be soon or not too far away that we can travel again. So we're going on a trip together. We are going to take a journey with Jesus over these next six weeks as we begin to explore what Jesus did. Where did he go? Who did he see? Who did he travel with? How did he prepare to travel from this time until the beginning of Lent? So I'm glad you're joining us on this journey, and I hope it's a meaningful time together. Today we'll go to, uh, we'll explore a monumental time in his life, a point of identification, a defining moment. It's Jesus' baptism, and we'll look at our own. The next week we'll look at those people that travel with Jesus, and Peter, and Philip, and Andrew, and Jesus' invitation to come and go with me on this journey. The next week we'll go fishing, right? Like to go fishing, love to go fishing. Even in January we get to go fishing. And it will be looking at Jesus' exploration or his call for his disciples to come and follow him. After a couple weeks on a journey, what happens? We get a little tired, right? We want to stop, take a break, take it easy, do something a little different. And so it's the Sabbath, and we see what Jesus does on the Sabbath and his teaching and healing in the synagogue. The next week will be the youth will be leading us in Youth Sunday, and we'll explore some of the journeys that the youth are making with Jesus. And then in the final week together, we get there. We arrive, right? When are we going to get there? And we finally arrive. It's the mountaintop, a mountaintop expedition, the mountain of transfiguration, a place that we have been seeking to go. But just like any journey... Right? It's the hardest part of getting there, the hardest part of vacation or going on a trip is that day, second to last day, and you realize, oh gosh, we've got to go home. We can't stay on the mountaintop. We can't stay there forever. We've got to come down. But my prayer is that when we come down from the mountaintop, I hope we don't come down alone. That through this experience of journeying with Jesus, we've experienced Jesus in a new and a fresh and exciting and invigorating way. And in that experience, we bring Jesus with us. So my prayer is your experience of Jesus will be renewed in this time that we spend together journeying with him. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks for this opportunity we have to hear your call and to take up your invitation to follow you in this new year ahead. Lord, as we begin to share and learn and experience, I do pray that our hearts will be invigorated and our spirits will be, uh, Lord, will be moved to recognize your presence in our life and the opportunities we have to share this journey together. Lord, as we make it, I pray that it's your presence that's directing our paths, that we can set aside these old things from this past year that have held us back, and we can be renewed with the new spirit to walk with you afresh. Lord, set me aside that it's with you that we take the journey together. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, 2020 definitely had its defining moments. And it seems this year 
has already begun with more defining moments, especially with our nation. But what about you? What about you personally? A new year is a time in which people seek to define themselves or redefine themselves or start new, start fresh together. But we still seem to be in this mode of survival rather than future possibilities and potential and preparing for the journey ahead. Last week we participated in Wesley's covenant service, a time in which we began to understand or re-understand what it means to be a follower of Christ together. So today as we make this journey with Jesus, we look at a defining moment in his life, but I pray that we reflect on the defining moment in our own life, our own baptism, or that we begin to reflect of what it might be like to be baptized if that's something we have never explored in our life together. So this marks the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And I invite you to join me as we explore it this first day, first week together, looking at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. Please join me in the scriptures that you have. If you're online, go get your Bibles or use your phones here in person. I hope that you have a device in which you can follow along this morning. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 4. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descended like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good preparation is the key to having a good trip. Good preparation is the key to having a good trip. And for me, it's all about the list. The list of what do you need to do before you leave. The list of what do you need to do around the house. The list of what you're going to take with you. The list of things you can do while you're there. The list of things you need to get when you get there. Almost 30 years ago in youth ministry, I used to take the youth on things called destination unknowns. These were trips that nobody knew where we were going or the youth didn't. I told the parents after we left. But I did and had to prepare everything pretty much on my own. So there were lots of lists to purchase. And on this one such trip, I had everything you could think of. We were going to a cabin. It was outside of Camden. And we were cooking out and going water skiing and had every spatula and matchstick and food and things you could imagine. And everything was great till that night. I couldn't find my stuff. 
I found out later I left it in my car. I had everything that the youth might possibly need, but I didn't have anything that I needed, and so I had to borrow from them. Now the trip went okay, and it was still good, but I forgot to make my personal list as well as the list of what was needed for others. What is your practice on preparing for a trip? How do you make sure you have a good trip before you travel? Today we're taking a journey with Jesus, a, a different kind of trip, a different kind of journey, more of a spiritual journey, and it begins with baptism, for baptism is the foundational moment in our preparation for our Christian journey. The scripture from the Gospel of Mark begins with John the Baptist. John the Baptist had the daunting task of preparing the people of Judea and Jerusalem for the coming of Jesus. And he did that. He did that through baptism. His method might have been a little unusual in today's standards. Remember, what did he wear? Camel's hair. What did he eat? Locusts and wild honey. <clears throat> And then what was it that he preached? Or where was it that he preached? He preached in the wilderness. But what's remembered most importantly is what he preached. There's one greater to come who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and forgive your sins. This was a message that the people had not heard in a long, long time. Now, as we begin to talk about Jesus' baptism, a question that always comes to my mind is, why was Jesus baptized? Why did Jesus need to be baptized? If he was sinless, did he really need to be baptized? And we don't see that in Mark. He doesn't answer the question, and Luke doesn't answer the question, but Matthew does. Here's another interesting point, too, is that as you look at the Gospels, all four Gospels mention Jesus' baptism, but only two really talk about his birth. So the baptism must be important. Matthew chapter 3 verses 14, John the Baptist says to Jesus, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? And Jesus responds in verse 15, let it be so now for it is proper in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. Jesus did not need to repent of his sin because he had none. I want to make that clear, but Jesus was baptized because he wanted to identify with the people, and he wanted the people to identify with him. Baptism was a ritual they were familiar with. Jesus had been waiting for a sign for him to prepare and to begin his ministry, and John the Baptist, as the prophets had told us, was the culmination of that sign. But let's see what happens. Something unique, something that rarely happens, happens at his baptism. We hear God's voice. We actually hear God speak. <clears throat> and it's through these words that we learn of God's approval of Jesus and who he is. Remember what he said? He said, with you I am well pleased. Now this is a reference back to Isaiah 52. It's a recalling of the suffering servant. We recall what the role of Jesus will be. That yes, he will enter a throne, he'll have a throne and he'll be a king, but it's about his journey to the cross in which he's taken upon. We also hear Christ's identification through God's first words just before those I share with you. For God says to Jesus, you are my son, my 
beloved. You are my son, my beloved. These also come from Psalm 2 and Isaiah 52. This is my beloved son. It reaffirms from the world who Jesus is. He's fixing to go on a journey. His, his authority is going to be questioned. He's going to be tested. And we unequivocally hear who Jesus is. This is my beloved. This is my son. This is one in whom you can trust. This is one in whom you can follow. And you will indeed know that he is my son. So at Jesus' baptism, the heavens were opened. The spirit fell like a dove. Jesus was unequivocally identified as the son of God who would be his message to the people. But this is where our baptism begins to kick in. As we begin to understand Jesus' baptism, as we begin to understand what God claimed about Jesus at his baptism, it's through Jesus' identification at his baptism that we begin to be identified at our baptism. Christ's identity becomes ours. The words that God placed upon Jesus are the same words that he seeks to place, to, to place upon us. We become his daughters and his sons with whom God is well pleased. You are my daughter. You are my son, the beloved. Have you ever experienced Christ that personally? Have you ever accepted what God has accomplished through Christ, what he did for you and for each of us? We can, and we do through our baptism. We do through remembering our baptism. So let us prepare to take this journey with Jesus together. And as we do, I think an understanding of what it means to be baptized, baptized and what our baptism is about begins to help us contemplate it. If we've never experienced it, or if we experienced it many, many years ago. I often begin sharing what baptism is by sharing what it's not. Baptism is not salvation. The saving act comes from the blood of Jesus on the cross for us. But it's an important public affirmation of what Christ has done, what God is doing through Christ for each of us. Baptism is a God act. It's not a human act. What I mean by that is it's not a decision you and I make but it's a decision we profess that God has made for us. In other words, if, if baptism was a human act, in the sense that every time we fall from God, every time we sin, every time we stray from God, every time we say, think, do, act in some way we shouldn't, then how often would we have to be baptized? Good. How often? Daily? Twice a day? Three times a day, anybody? No. There you go. Hourly, I've joked before that we have just set up outside the, the church and, and have people come by and just roll your window down, right? Do a baptism and probably when the car stops because it's trying to get in the street and you say a word you shouldn't, you just get back in line and there's a full circle and it's all we do each day, every day. But seriously, an understanding it's a God act that means it only needs to happen one time. That what God did the first time took, it worked. We're the one who moved, right? Guess who moved? It's us are the ones who've moved. 
in that baptism, our understanding of baptism. So I've said today many times, and you've probably heard before, remember your baptism. Maybe you were baptized for an infant and you don't remember your baptism, but that doesn't mean it's valid. We don't have to remember it to celebrate it. Here's another interesting. Pam, when's your birthday? Just your date, not your year. June 17th. You sure? Positive. How do you know? They told you. All right, somebody told you there. Sally Coleman, your birthday's when? Just the day, not the year. March 22nd. Absolutely positive. How do you know? You've got a piece of paper. Ah, okay, that's a little more valid with that. And what else happens? We're, it's celebrated, right? You ask a three-year-old their baptism and they know, excuse me, their birthday and they know it. So how many of you remember your birth? Online, you remember your birth? Nope, nobody? Had met anybody yet? I hope not, because if you do, then probably need to talk about that too. Does that mean you weren't born? Right? Pinch somebody next to you. See if they were born. See if they're really here with you. Online, you can do it. Don't, don't get me in trouble. You get the point. Just because we don't remember doesn't mean it didn't happen. Just because we don't remember doesn't mean it's not valid. Just because we don't remember doesn't mean <clears throat> what took place doesn't make a difference today. So remember your baptism. Or maybe remember what happened at your baptism. Remember what was claimed. Remember what your parents said on your behalf at your baptism. Remember what God said at Jesus' baptism. Remember what God says about you in connection with Jesus at your baptism. What do we use when we do baptism? We use water and it's clear. And it doesn't matter whether it's poured or whether it's sprinkled or whether you're immersed. I love doing immersion. But it's not the mode of baptism that validates our baptism. It's what the water represents, and it represents the covenant relationship with God. Right? We see that in many times through the scriptures. You see it through Noah, and you see it through the rainbow. You see it when the Egyptians or the Hebrews left Egypt, and they traveled to the sea, and God parted the sea. We see it in Christ's own importance to go into the Jordan and be baptized by John. The Baptist. Now, what about infant baptism? As United Methodists, we believe in infant baptism, and not everybody does. There's several scriptural references, and one that I often use comes out of Acts chapter 16. It's Paul and Silas. They're in prison, and there's an earthquake, and when the jail cell opens, the, the guard is scared. For a guard accepts the sentence of any prisoner who escapes. So he's about to hurt himself, but he does not because Paul and Silas begin to witness to this guard and the guard is saved and the guard and they go to his household and his whole household is baptized. But even more significant of that is what happens to a Hebrew child on the eighth day. You remember? What's the mark? The mark of circumcision. It's the circumcision that's that mark that this is a child of God. And we share and celebrate baptism as an infant as a remember, as a mark that this child 
is a child of God, is my son, is my daughter, with whom I am well pleased. There's so much we can talk about baptism, and it's so important and significant in our journey with Jesus, in our own journey with Jesus, but in our own life and understanding what it means and how we seek to live it out. But being baptized does not mean we have all the answers. Being baptized means we know the one who does. And we acknowledge that one in our life and in our journey together, that God will be the one to direct our paths. As we begin this new year together, as the commercials or advertisements tell us that we want to start our life out right, we want to start this year doing things better, we want to be more faithful in our journey. And often we try to do it on our own. We remember today at our baptism that Christ invites us to do it with Him, not on our own. We don't have to do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. For we can't get our lives straight enough to come to God. We come to God who then begins to help us straighten our lives out. Jesus' baptism becomes an incredible example for us. It's a defining moment for Jesus, but it's also a defining moment in our own life. As we remember, and we remember what was claimed, what was said at Jesus' baptism, that's also said at our own. There's no middle ground. We accept it or we don't. We're either baptized or we're not. There's no such thing as a half baptism. There's no such thing as being a half Christian. If we are baptized... If we call ourselves Christians, then let us live like one. If we are baptized, if we call ourselves a Christian, then let us live like one. Let us prepare to go on this journey with Jesus by seeking to follow him every day. And we, get, we take this journey as a baptized child of God who seeks to live out their identity with Christ. Remember your baptism. Remember what was claimed at your baptism. Remember who claimed it and who claimed you. The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.